Hello, everybody. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with the Pirkei Avos podcast, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Actually, me and my wife are having a discussion. What's the best way to get people to give feedback? So I, I was saying maybe I should beg people to, to give me feedback. And she didn't think that was such a great idea. So if any of you out there, please help me figure this out with my wife. What's the best way to get feedback? Is it by begging or is it by just asking nicely? Okay, so it's Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. For this week's Mishnah, we begin with Perek Hey, Mishnah Yudbeis, Chapter 5, Mishnah 12. The Mishnah begins with Ba'arba Prokim Hadever Misrabe, that there are four periods of four periods within the seven year cycle that pestilence increases. So just to give a little bit of a background here, in the previous weeks, we've been discussing seven. We said there's seven different types of calamities that, that come about because of seven different types of sins. The Mishnah is switching now to sets of four. And the next Mishnah as well, will be dealing with fours. Now the Mishnah says as follows. There are four periods within the seven-year cycle that pestilence increases. Now, when are they? Berevius, on the fourth year. Ubeshvius, and on the seventh year. Uvemoitishvius, and on the... And the and, and in the year following the Shemitah year, which was this, which is the seventh year, and the and after the festival of Sukkot on every single year. Now the Mishnah is going to go through all these different stages. Again, I'm going to go through the Mishnah, and then we'll come back around to go through a little bit more slowly. On the fourth year, why does it increase the pestilence, the devil, or famine? It's because of the people that forsake the special tithe of the poor, which happened on the third year. And on the seventh year, famine increases because of people who are not being careful in the tithe of the poor people, which is also again on the sixth, on the sixth year. And on why is there why is it that there's punishment that comes out on on the conclusion the year after Shemitah? It's because people are not being careful with the fruits of Shvias, with the, the Shemitah fruits. And after the, the festival of Sukkis on every year, because Sukkis was the time when the crops are harvested. And people would steal the, the, I guess, the crops that were earmarked for the poor. And, and therefore, they would, it would, people would do that. So after Sukkot, it would be prob 
במועצי החג שבכל שנה ושנה בני גזל מתונס עניים. Because of people would steal the presence of the poor. Now that, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that momentarily. So let's go through this. Now the Mishnah, the last Mishnah discussed different things that can correspond. We learned the, idea, the concept of Mida, Kenegad Mida, measure for measure, how what we do affects the world for good and for bad. And if we, if we do not do what we're supposed to be doing, so the world, it, it just, different things are going to, it's going to cause a measure for measure to happen back to this world. We said in the last Mishnah that plague occurs because of the four death penalties that are prescribed by the Torah that were not carried out by the court. Now, it's interesting. This Mishnah seems to be a continuation of the last Mishnah in a way. And some editions of the Pirkei actually list this Mishnah together with the last. Because in the last Mishnah, we, we, we enumerated this, the sin that, cause, that causes famine. And this Mishnah, we're discussing famine a little bit more. Because the Mishnah says, in, There are four periods of the seven year, the four of the seven year cycle where famine increases. Meaning things get worse. Things could get worse. So the first point I wanted to talk about that we can learn from this Mishnah is the idea that when we're facing a challenging situation and things don't look so great, we can't just give up. We have to realize that if we stop and, and take a honest assessment of the situation, we have the ability to fix things up and to stop the hemorrhaging. And at the same time, if people don't learn from their ways, from the mistakes that they're making, so then a situation can become worse. And that's what the mission is saying, because the mission says that there are four times out of the seven years that dever, that hunger can increase. It doesn't say start, because we know how a famine could start. What's the correlation, the sin that causes that? That's because of the, 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 the um, Misa Shalinim Shulabezdin. It's because of the, the, the death penalties that was not carried out by the court. So the lesson is that when we're faced with a challenging situation, we have, we have to realize that we have the ability to prevent things from getting worse and maybe even get, help things get better right away. Now, I wanted to talk about this seven-year cycle that the Mishnah is discussing. So next year will be Shemitah. Shemitah is once every seven years, the land of Israel, the Torah commands us that the land of Israel must remain fallow. You cannot work your land. You cannot prune your bushes. You cannot plant. You cannot harvest. You have to let the land lay fallow. And that's what Hashem commands us. And he promises us that if we do what we're supposed to be doing, we'll have enough in the sixth year for the seventh and the eighth. Now, the other years, the other six years, people were able to work the land. But every year, there was different tithes. Different parts of the crop would have to be separated and given out to different people. And sometimes, depending on the year, that would depend which people it got given to. 
So let's break down this seven-year cycle. So we just explained that year seven was Shemitah. It's the year where we let the land lay fallow. It's a sabbatical year. You cannot work the land. So that's year seven. What about year one through six? So years one through six, every year, they would be giving Truma Gedola and Maiserishon. This was a percentage of the crops that were given to the Kohen and the Levi. And just for background, the Kohanim and the Leviim, they did not receive a share in the land of Israel. Rather, they were the Torah teachers of all of Israel. And their job was to teach the masses. So the rest of the people supported the Kohanim and the Leviim, so they're able to be the teachers of the Jews. So on a regular year, Truma Gedola and Meiser Rishon were given, respectively, to the Kohen and to the Levi. Now on the first year, the second year, the fourth year, and the fifth year, there was an additional tithe that was given as well. And that was referred to as Meiser Sheni. Which, is, which was set aside to be eaten in Yushalayim. So the first, second, fourth, fifth was Meiser Sheni, and the third and the sixth years were designated to give Meiser Oni, which is we would replace the Meiser Sheni requirement and we would give Meiser Oni, which is we would give a tithe that is designated for the poor people. Only poor people would be eligible to get that tithe and it would be given to them. So now we filled out the seven years. So every year is Truma and Meiser. The first, second, fourth, and fifth year is an additional Meiser Shani. And the third and the sixth year, instead of giving Meiser Shani, this tithe, the second tithing, we would replace it with Meiser Ani, the tithing of the poor. Now, Let's take a look at our Mishnah again. We said, So which one? At the fourth year, because of because of the people for forsake the the tithe of the Ani, the tithe of the poor person on the third year. So the fourth year, it would hunger would increase if people didn't do the mitzvah properly. And the seventh year, because of the Meiser Ani, which was given on the sixth year, if people didn't do it properly in the sixth year, they would get punished on the seventh year. After Shvius, the year following the seventh year, because of the fruits of Shvius, because there's certain halachos, there's certain laws that govern the fruits that grow by itself on, on Shemitah. You can't just eat it. They have to be treated with a certain amount of respect. There's different laws that are govern that th there are different rules that have to be followed in order to treat these fruits properly. So if people did not listen and did not, they did not keep to the holiness of the fruits, they would be punished in the year following Shemitah. As I mentioned before, it would, it would come out after Sukkot is a certain type of famine or it would increase because after Sukkot, there would be a harvest. It's the time of the harvesting. And when people harvest, there's certain areas, like a chikhan peya, that a corner would have to be left for the poor people. 
if anything was forgotten in the field that had, that had to be left for the poor people and anything that was dropped as well would have to be left for the poor people. So, so if a person harvested his field and didn't follow the halachos of Leka Chikhan Peya, these halachos that require him to leave up a, a certain amount for poor people. So the, I guess the Mida Kenegad Mida, the measure for measure would kick in. There would be, I guess, a period of pestilence that would increase during that time. So I wanted to talk about a few points in this Mishnah tonight that we could take out and learn from this. The first thing we have to realize is that the Mishnah is pointing out to us the importance of treating poor people with respect and fulfilling the mitzvah of tzedakah, the mitzvah of charity, properly. Many times, when there's a hard situation, the first thing that people do is they stop spending. They cut back on their spending. Maybe there are certain things that they did before that they don't do now. Maybe any extras, they look for the things that are extras in their budget and they'll cut it out. So many people could think to themselves, if they're going through a period of economic hardship, the first area I should cut is my charitable donations. And that happens many times, unfortunately, that the first place people cut is donations. Not everybody, I'm not saying everybody, and I'm not saying it's not justified all the time, but it's a certain attitude. But the Mishnah is pointing out to us something very important, that even when we're in a situation of hardship, when the world is facing an economic downturn, we must be extra vigilant with the needs of the most vulnerable. That means the poor. To make sure they have what they need. Even if we're also tightening our belt, so to say, and we're cutting back on the things that are extras, we need to make sure that the poor have what they need even in the hardest of situations. And you know what? As I mentioned before, that sometimes a hard situation could get worse if we don't handle it properly. Because every scenario that we're placed in, that Hashem places us in, every experience that we have is all divinely decreed from Hashem. And if we are all facing a situation of economic hardship, of challenge, we have to realize that that's from Hashem. So when it comes to our, when it comes to us and our charitable donations to the poor, we have to realize that even in the hardest situation, we still need to give with open heart to make sure people have what they need. And I believe if we continue with that outlook of looking, of being generous and having that generous eye, it can help the situation turn around. We have the ability to change the course of events, to bring about the salvation through our merit of tzedakah, through our merit of charity. And we can even bring the end of a calamity by passing the test and doing what needs to be accomplished. So it's important to remember this idea from the Mishnah that the Mishnah is pointing out to us that even in the harder times, right? We said that the Mishnah is, is a continuation of the last Mishnah. The last Mishnah dealt with famine. What causes famine? Our Mishnah is dealing with 
why famine could get even worse, why economic situation could get even harder. And the mission is telling us, it's pointing out to us from the fact that it could get harder and that we're held liable if we don't act accordingly, right? Because punishment happens only if we deserve it. So if even if we're in a quote-unquote a famine or a challenging situation, we still have an obligation to support those that are don't have the means to support themselves. And even if it's going to hurt a little bit on our end, we have to keep this in mind. And when we do that, when we have that correct outlook, we just might be solving the whole situation to begin with because Hashem might have put, it, put us in the situation to see how strongly we believe in the midst of tzedakah, to see how much we care about our fellow Jews. And it could be the merit of that tzedakah, of giving when it's not so easy, can change the whole situation around. And it's just something we should really keep in our minds. Point number two I wanted to focus on from our Mishnah. We said that there's four times of year that famine can increase. It's possible that this can happen. So I feel like the mission is pointing out to something very important. The mission is saying that be careful during these four times of year to do these different mitzvahs properly. The mitzvah of giving the tithe to the poor, the mitzvah of the different types of gleanings that a poor person would receive to fulfill them in the best possible way. Now, the question you might ask yourself is, what, I only have to be careful in this mitzvah only then? Like, don't we always have to be careful with all the mitzvahs? Right, maybe you could think that. You could say, only four times a year I should be careful, but the rest of the year, I'll go my jolly way. So there is, that is a good question. And the way I like to answer this sometimes is that is through a, a mushal, through a parable. We know that in order for us to be the, to function optimally as human beings, we need to have the proper amount of vitamins, minerals, nutrition. We have to have proteins. We have to have starches. And everything has to be balanced perfectly. You have to have vitamin D, vitamin A. I don't know what all the vitamins mean, but you need to have all of them. And if a person doesn't have a certain vitamin or a certain mineral, it can affect them in a negative way. He could be tired, sluggish. He could be very pale. You name it, and it could be going on if there's some type of deficiency within the person. So it's a person has a responsibility to make sure on a daily basis and a weekly basis to get all the vitamin minerals that he or she needs to be or to function to function in the best way possible. Now, spiritually as well, we need certain vitamins to for our soul to thrive and to grow. There's Torah, there's mitzvos, there's different types of mitzvos, there's doing chesed. And I like to say a lot of times that the Torah and mitzvos and chesed and the different specific mitzvos that we do and the different areas of Torah that we learn 
are all different types of spiritual vitamins and minerals for our neshama. And they help us be the best we can be. Because if a person does one mitzvah, it is good, it's great, it's amazing. But we're still lacking. And until we work on ourselves to perform all the mitzvahs and to learn as much as we can, we're still going to be lacking. That's that's really the point of life. The light point of life is to perfect ourselves. All right? That's the joke. We say if we're perfect, we'd be dead. We're not perfect because we need to work on being perfect to get there, to cleave to Hashem, to work on being reach reaching higher spiritual levels. So the different spiritual deeds we do, whether it be learning, whether it be davening, whether it be mitzvos are all things that our neshama, our soul needs to be the healthiest possible and to help us reach our potential. Now, that's the doing side. But there's also a flip side because as humans, we know there's certain things that we need to stay away from. We need to stay away from too much fat. We need to stay away from too much sun. We need to stay away from too much cholesterol. You could Each person could fill the blanks for themselves. I'm not going there. But the point is, is that just like there is a aspect of the things we need to do, there is also a corresponding um, relation to the things we need to stay away from. And I like to say that there's also, this is also this sort of mirrors in the spiritual realm as well. That just like we have the Torah and the mitzvos and chesed, doing good for one another and praying, davening, which all the things we do to make our soul the best it can be, we also have different things we need to stay away from in order for us to perfect ourselves, which are different types of sins, different types of... Uh, bad relationships, different types of bad habits. And these are things we need to distance ourselves from in order for our neshama to be healthy. And I feel like a lesson that we see from this Mishnah is this idea that there are certain types of times of year that we have to be more careful than other times. Not that, I, again, I don't want to say that you don't have to be careful in mitzvot and on the rest of the year. But my point is, is that there is a concept of having extra vigilance during certain points of the year. And I'll give an example. You know, we're going to be coming up to Rosh Chodesh El soon, which is the beginning of the whole high holiday process. It starts by the beginning of Elul and finishes with Ne'ila on Yom Kippur. It is, we're talking about a, a four weeks, four week process. And it starts off slow. There's a growth trajectory. We start off with blowing the shofar. Then we start with slichos and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And you see clearly in halacha and in Jewish, in Jewish law and Jewish thought that during this time, which is the judgment season, people should do extra things that they don't necessarily do the rest of the year. You should be more careful on how you treat people. And you don't just see this with the high holidays. You see this at other times of the year as well. That, For example, we just went through the nine days, the three weeks 
These are times where it's brought down in, in Jewish law. A person should be more careful, shouldn't do dangerous things because it's a time of more strict judgment. So there is a concept, and we see this from this Mishnah, that where we should be extra careful in things. It's not to say that the rest of the year we can go scot-free. No. But the point is that there are times where we need to be extra vigilant and extra careful because there, whether it's it's a more there's more judgment or it's a more there's a more I shouldn't say more important because every time is important, but there's different things that are going on and sort of like just like in the summertime, you don't spend too much time outside because you don't want to get a sunburn. So so too in the spiritual realms as well, there are different times of the year we have to be more vigilant and doing mitzvot. We have to be more careful about doing averos. We should be more concerned about our safety, so on and so forth. And just to give a few examples, is you know, as I said before, the month of Elul leading up to the holidays, we're more careful in what we do. Um, on Shabbos, we also, there's, there's a certain vigilance of civilly doing mitzvot on Shabbos and making sure we don't do what we're not supposed to be doing because Shabbos is a special day. During the, the days of counting the Omer, there's a certain significance of treating people properly, having respect for others. And as I mentioned before, the three weeks and the nine days, we see clearly in halacha that people should not do dangerous things, not travel too much, so on and so forth. Don't do leisurely things because it's a time of more strict judgment. It's more of a sad time. So we see this concept in this mission because we see clearly that there are four times of year where people had certain obligations upon themselves and maybe they weren't doing it as they were supposed to be doing, and that exacted heavenly retribution upon people. So the mission was giving us warning that these times the people should be extra careful. And I think the lesson for us is that we should also keep this in mind that it's not not every day is the same. Every day is an opportunity, and we should always try to be the best we could be. But there's certain times of the year, certain times of the week, where we should push ourselves to be even better than we could, just a little bit better. And I, and I think Shabbos is a perfect example to try to be a little bit better on Shabbos. And it's actually interesting to, to go on the flip side on the, you know, we always like to stay positive. We do stay positive here. I remember hearing from a rabbi of mine that if someone learns Torah during the week, they get a certain amount of reward. But if someone learns Torah on Shabbos, he gets a thousand times more reward than he would for the learning that he gets for during the week. So I think this really brings out this idea. So let's continue. Now, the Mishnah had a focus on the tithes. Now, all a tithe, what is a tithe? A tithe was a certain amount, a certain percentage of the crop that was given over to people who needed it, whether it be the Kohanim, the priests, or the Levium, who who did not have their own land, they were supported by the rest of the people. Or whether it be the poor people that didn't have the ways to support themselves, the means to support themselves. And we see that there's, there's a direct correlation from retribution, or, or better, or there's a direct correlation from not fulfilling one's obligation of tzedakah, which is really what it is. That's what the ties were. It was tzedakah. People were giving food to people who needed it to the, to the, to the retribution that happened if people didn't do tzedakah. So the first thing I want to talk about here is that there's, the Mishnah seems to be giving, giving us a little glimpse of the importance of giving charity. 
because that's what tithes were. If I would ask you a question, when you give a dollar to a poor person or to a, let's say now you give a poor a dollar to an organization that helps poor people, that feeds poor people, that clothes poor people, or it's a worthy cause, whatever it may be, it might be a Torah institution, you name it, you put it in there, whatever the cause may be. Who's doing the favor for who? Have you ever thought of that question? Who is helping whom? Are you helping the organization because you just gave them a dollar of your hard-earned money? Or maybe there's another way to look at things. Because if you think about it for a minute, really the person who's giving you the opportunity to do a mitzvah, which is the poor person, is doing you a bigger favor than you're doing him. So you might say, what does that mean? How could a poor person, a person receiving charity, do me, the giver, a favor? I just gave him the money. He didn't give me anything. And the answer to that is that if you think about it, the person who is giving you the opportunity, the person who is taking, is doing you a bigger favor than you're doing him. And I'll explain. If you're giving this person a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, you put in, put the zero wherever you want. What's going to happen? He spends the dollar on a chocolate bar. It's gone. He spends the five dollar bill on a sandwich. It's gone. He spends the ten dollars on a on a nice dinner. It's gone. He takes a thousand dollars, pays his mortgage. It's gone. But what do you gain out of this? You just gain eternity. You just gain the mitzvah, which is which the reward for it is forever. You got something real. Who's getting the better end of the deal now? I think it's clear that the person who gave you the opportunity is doing a bigger favor for you because you just got something that can never be taken away from you. It's yours forever. You receive eternal reward for it. And that's why the poor person is doing the bigger favor to you than you, the giver, are doing for him. And this is an important thing to remember because it helps us have the proper outlook when we're giving tzedakah. I'm not saying that you have to give all your money to charity right now. No, and the Talmud um, advises against that. The Talmud actually says that a person should give 10% of his income to charity. And if he's really wants, he can give up to 20%. But more than that, he shouldn't give if he's a regular person because he's going to be broke. We don't need you to give away your whole fortune. But the point I'm trying to bring out is that when we do give whatever we think we could give, hopefully it's the 10%. As the Torah talks about, we can get into that a different time. But whatever it is, how do we look at the money we give away to people? Who is benefiting? Me or them? How do we look at that money? Do we look at the people that are receiving it as lazy, as good for nothing, as, as worthless, God forbid? How are, we, how are we viewing the situation? 
Now, it's actually interesting. The Talmud brings down in Masechus of Basra that the heretics would ask the sages different questions. And the Talmud recounts some of the questions that they would ask the rabbis to try to trap them. And it brings the, the back and forth that was discussed between these heretics and the sages. And one of the incidents which is spoken about is how the heretics would used to ask if God is a loving God, a good God, a kind God, why does he not sustain the poor people? And that's the dilemma that they tried to present to the sages. And the sages answered that the reason why Hashem made poor people, he is a kind God. He is a loving God. He is a, a, a good God. And that's precisely why he, he made people who are poor. Because as Rameyer and the Gemara would answer, the reason why God gave us poor people was to give us merit and protection. And that's why it's, you know, we, we say tzedakah tatzl mimaves. Charity saves a person from death. That when we give charity, it protects us. The merit of giving away our money, giving it to someone who has less, is a protection for us from even the harshest decrees, from a death decree it could save us. And we know if you look at the prayer services in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we have the we say the Unasana Tokev prayer, which discusses in the prayer how the judgment system works to a degree. It paints a very vivid picture. Who will live, who will die, who will be born, who will die in different ways. And the prayer finishes off with a poignant declaration that Teshuva, Tefillah, and Tzedakah doing teshuva, praying, and giving tzedakah can remove the evil of the decree. So we clearly see this concept that Hashem put poor people in this world for our merit, and they're helping us. He, he gave them that mission. It's a special mission that they gave, they have to protect us, to give us merit, to prevent any bad decree from coming upon us. So this can help us a little bit when we see a person who is maybe not as fortunate as us. We shouldn't look down on them. There are some people who, who could have different mental issues when it comes to finances, but the overwhelming majority of people who don't have what they need, we, can't, we shouldn't look, look at them as uh, lazy or as good for nothings. We shouldn't look at anybody like that. But my point is they're regular people. That's my point. That's how I was making the differentiation. Because you have a small minority of people who are maybe not well and they choose to live in this way. But most people are not like that. And if we think about it, they really have a special mission that God has chosen them to protect the Jewish people. Because when we give of our own money to them, we gain merit. We push away the bad decrees. And I feel like this Mishnah gives us an insight. It's the, the Mishnah demonstrates the importance of charity. And therefore, I wanted to talk about our outlook and how we should view it and how we should look at people maybe are less fortunate than us and the importance of giving in the proper way. And it really leads to my next and final discussion for tonight.
And really, maybe it's a practical point we can take out from this. As I like to mention, that every Mishnah and really every part of Torah is practical for each and every one of us. So the practical point and idea which I want to take out from tonight is that when it comes to tzedakah, we have to have the right outlook. And the, 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 the Gemara, the Talmud relates in that same tractate of Baba Basra. A person who gives a coin to a poor person receives six blessings. This is what it says in the Talmud. A person who, who says a kind word to a poor person receives 11 blessings. So it's interesting. You give a coin to a poor person, you give him something financial, you give him a dollar to help him with his financial situation, you get six blessings. But if you say a kind word to a poor person, you alleviate their burden, you get 11 blessings. So that's interesting. A person who makes someone feel better, who makes a person lifts the burden off someone's shoulder emotionally, gets more blessings than the guy who just gave him $1,000. Isn't that amazing? That speaking to someone kindly, nicely, making them feel at ease, trying to be there emotionally, is, gives a person more blessings than actually financially helping somebody. And Tosos relates that if a person both gives someone a donation and gives them a kind word, then they get 17 blessings for that act or those acts of kindness. So the lesson that we can take out from this is that you know, maybe we all have different financial situations of what we could give, how much we could give, how much we can't give. I'm not going to get into that. But the point is, is that whatever we do give, right? And even if we can't give, we should make sure to treat people with respect and dignity, try to tell them a kind word to alleviate their burden. And that makes us worthy of many, many blessings. And to never look down at somebody because of his situation. Because Hashem has decreed that this person should be in that situation. And he, you know what? He probably, he or she is probably a special person if Hashem decided that they should be there because they're protecting the Jewish people. That through them, they are a conduit to divine protection and divine blessing for the whole Jewish people. And that's something we should take away from tonight. That dealing with others and you know. When it comes to charity, maybe we don't always have the opportunity to give people specifically, but we do have the opportunity to give to organizations. And besides for that, it doesn't always have to be a poor person financially to say a good word. If someone is down, we should have this in mind. That's also a form of tzedakah, to alleviate someone's burden, to give of yourself. That is charity, which is comes from chesed. It's very intertwined with chesed. To alleviate someone's burden, to say a good word to someone else, and that will make us worthy of all the blessings as well. So with that, I want to conclude today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, please, please, please send me an email at rabbishlamokon at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.